Now, the, the word abide means to remain, to stay, to linger, uh, to obey, to be with, to stay with. So there's a, a whole lot of, um, what's the word, synonyms that goes with uh, the word abide. Not synonyms, synonyms that goes with the word abide. Um, so you can go and Google that. But the, the call of God on your life is to abide with Him. So that's almost something that you have to settle in your heart. Okay, God calls me to abide. So f- figuring out what abide means is quite important. But the other thing that's also important is knowing that to abide is a personal response. So no one can abide on your behalf. So you got to make a decision to say, yeah, I want to abide. But it's also a corporate response. So it is something that you do individually, but it absolutely is something that, it, that we're called to do together. So you cannot have a full experience of abiding on your own. Um, it has to be corporate. But also you cannot have a full experience of abiding if church is only you coming to church on a Sunday and then you go home and you never get into your word on your own as well. Okay, so you guys see the both end, individually but also corporately. So because it's something we do together, we're going to do something together. Some of you were excited about that. Yes, all right, I love, like, <laughs> like the introverts, like that's why I sit at the back. <laughs> um, no, so I want you to form groups of two or three doesn't have to be big groups, but the one thing that needs to be in your group is a Bible. So if your Bible is on your phone, that's also okay. But in your group, there has to be a Bible. All right. So two people, if you came with someone that you know and you are comfortable with that person, that's also a group of two. All right. So that's fine. If you are alone, then um, just force yourself into someone else's group. It'll only be awkward for a little bit. All right. So, um, as this can go haywire very quickly, um, what we're going to do is you're going to open your Bible at John 15. So, one person or all the people in the group can go to John 15. And then, I'm not going to read the Scripture you're going to read the scripture to one another. And we'll be reading John 15, verse 1 to 11. All right, so obviously because the people in your group have to hear you speak, you cannot read John 15 like um, inside voices and then nobody can hear you. Okay, so the people in your group at least have to be able to hear you. So when you're there, John 15, verse 1 to 11, read it in your groups. All right, Philip... Give me one word that stood out to you, or one sentence. Abide. <laughs> what about abide stood out? Um, if you abide in God's word, He will live through you, and you'll experience His love. Cool, cool. All right. This side, who wants to say something? Valdu. Um, to abide in God is to sacrifice yourself and give yourself up so that you can abide, because Jesus says... You can only bear fruit if you're in the vine. And if you're in the vine, you need to give up yourself fully and, and let yourself go. You sort of um, betray yourself. Say, Lord, I can't no more. If you want to abide in God, you must say, I give up. And then abide in Christ. He will prune you. You will have difficulties and there will be things that he will cut away from you. But to be able to abide in that vine, you must submit to that root. The root will then fill you and make you 
um, fruitful because it's only the roots from Christ that we can live. Otherwise, we live in the world and then you struggle and you get that thing that my will is greater to be able to give up your will. You need to give yourself up to the, the root of Christ, the vine. Come on, hashtag wisdom, hashtag preach it, hashtag let's go home. <laughs> all right. Don't worry, everyone, I'm not going to all of you. And um, some of you got nervous when I came close. <laughs> so there are four promises from John 15 that I want you to, to hear and adopt into your heart tonight because this will be the focus for the next couple of weeks. The first thing that we see from the scripture that you read now yourselves is that if we abide, our lives will bear much fruit. Right? We see that from verse 5. If you abide in God, your, your life will bear much fruit. Now, something that you need to understand is that your design, your makeup, the way you are put together is that you want your life to mean something. You want your life to contribute to society. If you wake up one morning and you feel that your life is no longer contributing, you're going to fall into a very deep, dark hole of depression. So you want your life to mean something. Then also, you want your life to actually change. That many of you have got New Year's resolutions for this year where you say, hey, I've got some personal growth, some personal development that I want to work on for myself, whether it is, hey, I want to be less impatient or I don't want to get angry so quickly or whatever it might be. But you've got certain things in your own life that you want to see change. And if at the end of the year you don't see any change, you feel a little bit discouraged in your soul. Right? So you were designed by God to bear fruit. If you do not bear fruit, you will not be fully satisfied with your life. The second promise we see is our prayers will be effective. Verse 7, when we abide, our prayers will be effective. Whom of you would love your prayers to be effective? Whom of you love speaking to someone and they don't even listen? Right? Or you say leafy, coffee, and then nothing. <laughs> that doesn't happen in my house because I make the coffee. <laughs> All right? Friends, there's a space where God has designed you to know Him, but not just to know about Him in a general sense, to know Him deeply and intimately, and that you have the right to hear His voice, that you have the right for Him to, um, for you to enter into the space that He invites you in to say, I want to hear what's on your heart, and what's on your heart is important to me because I am your God, I am your Creator. And when we abide, our prayers will be effective. From verse 8, our lives will glorify God. <laughs> now, maybe that's not number one on your agenda right now. I want to finish my studies. I want to get a new job so that I can buy a better car. I want to pay off my debt. That's my number one agenda. Your design by God is so that you will live for His glory. Anything else will be less than sufficient for you. And what I mean by that is, um, our mission statement, like I said earlier, is we exist to honor God. That is the ultimate goal. One day, your life will end in this life, but it will transcend into the next. And then we will either spend eternity with God or eternity apart from God. And you need to know that God is busy working in your life an eternal perspective. And some of the things that is working in your life right now might not make sense today. It might not even make sense tomorrow. And it might not even make sense the day before you die because God is thinking about eternity. And God's agenda and goal for your life is that His name will be glorified, not temporarily, and you need to hear that, 
God is not interested in your temporary praise where you come tonight and you're like praising God and it's lacquer, but then you forget about Him tomorrow. God is interested in eternal praise. And He designed you so that you will know Him, but also that through your life, His name will be glorified into eternity. When we abide, our lives will glorify God. And then Jesus says, and you will show yourself to be my disciple. All right? And then the last one from verse 11, our joy will be full, our joy will be complete. That's an incredible promise. You see, there's a lot of temporary joys that we often give ourselves to, and some of it is your sport or your career or your travel bucket list that you've got. But none of those things can sufficiently satisfy your soul. But Jesus says when we abide in Him, your joy will be full because what will be inside of you is His joy. All right. Now, I want to invite you over the next couple of weeks that as we learn to abide, as we learn what it means to abide, that you will start trusting God for these four things. Amen. All right, that's not what the message is about tonight. Tonight is about um, the Word becoming flesh, um, and we're going to be in John 1. But something that is very important that we need to almost grasp tonight and then as we go into the series is that Jesus is the Word. All right? Jesus is the Word. So when we speak about abide and we speak about the, the power and the beauty of God's Word, and we'll see now in John 1, Jesus is the Word. So when we abide in the Word, you abide in Christ. You can read your Bible just methodically or intellectually and not be with Christ, but you cannot be with Christ and not be in His Word. Jesus is the Word. All right, and the Word became? Come on, you guys are too clever. Right, so I'm going to read for us. Um, you've done your part of reading, so I'm going to read now, and um, you can sit back. John, I'm going to read portions of, portions of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, and He has made Him known. Father, we want to pray just in this moment that... Now, we want to honor you, we want to give you honor that your word became flesh. Lord, just as we read scripture now and earlier when we read scripture together in smaller groups, the very fact that we're opening up your word, Lord, means that we are stepping into your presence because the word became flesh. The word is Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that as we spend time with you, as we spend time in your word, and tonight, Lord, we ask that your word will come and be made manifest just in us that your word will come and accomplish what you have sent it forth to do. 
I pray, Lord, that you will open up our hearts and our minds to perceive the very things that you have prepared for us tonight, Lord. And I know, Lord, that you are an incredibly amazing big God. And you created the universe, Lord, by, the, by your spoken word. You spoke the, the creation into being. But you are so personal and detailed, Lord, that you care about every single person here tonight, every single person maybe watching from home. Lord, so much so that you know the amount of hairs we have on our head. And you care about us in detail. You care about us personally. And tonight, you have something personal, Lord, to come and deposit into each and every one of our hearts. And we pray that we'll receive that and that we'll um, allow it to enter into our hearts. Amen. Amen. I want to share just four things from, from the, the verses that we read now that, um, that, the, the, that Jesus speaks about or that the, the author John speaks about when he reflects on the Word. So remember he says now that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was, was, was with God, and the Word was God. So immediately also we see this introduction of the Trinity. Now, if you read those first verses, in the beginning was the Word. Does it sound familiar? Where else in the Bible do we see it? Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning was God. <laughs> All right? In the beginning was God, and God created now it goes on, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Now it's quite incredible when we think about the Trinity. So Genesis 1 says that um, the beginning was God, but also the Spirit of God was hovering um, over the waters. And now we see that the Word was also there in the beginning. And through the Word, God created Genesis 1, remember? And God said, let there be light. Now we see the Word obviously was present, and later on in John 1 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Christ. The universe was formed through Christ. The, the author says that, that everything was made through Him, and nothing was made that wasn't made through Him. Nothing exists apart from the Word, apart from Christ. And there are four things that I want us just to be mindful of for tonight, but for the rest of the series. The first one is the Word is life. The Word is life. So the Scripture said, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So the Word is life. And what this means for you and me, and it's almost like understanding the Scripture, and then say, okay, so how does this apply to my life? How am I making this part of my existence? Whenever you remove yourself from Christ, you are removing yourself from life. Whenever you disposition yourself away from Jesus, you are dispositioning yourself away from life. And if Jesus says, I am the true life, I am life, it means there is something counterfeit that you can give yourself to. There is something that you can give yourself to that might be a lifelike thing in your life, but it's not true life. And whenever we disposition ourselves from God, whenever we disposition ourselves from Jesus and from His Word, we are dispositioning ourselves from life. The second one is that the Word is light. So it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome it. The darkness is, cannot comprehend it. Again, <laughs> the Word of God is light. Now, you go into this year, whom of you have got plans made for this year? All right? Whom of you have already done some of those things that you got planned for this year? All right, that's good, because we are already in week three, so that's good. Whom of you are only starting work next week? The Cape schools are only opening tomorrow, like for the teachers. Huh? 
That's so unfair. Anyway, um, they've not done anything so far. The word is light. There are certain things that you can give yourself to that are counterfeit lights. What does light do? It shows the way. It lights up a room. It um, takes away darkness. However dark the room might be when you put on a candle, it eliminates the darkness because light will prevail over darkness. There are certain counterfeit lights you can give yourself to. There are counterfeit directions, wisdoms you can give yourself to. Whenever you remove yourself from Christ, whenever you depart from His Word, you depart from true light. Light has has shone. What does it say? Let me just get to the word. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what will happen to a counterfeit light in your life? It will be overcome. It will be overcome. Friends, there are certain spaces where you might find yourself in in your life, and you might be a born-again Christian, but there will be areas in your life where you have deviated, departed from the Word of God, and now you find yourself in a deep, dark hole. And you do not know how you got there and you do not know how to get out because the thing you have aligned yourself with is not the true light. Jesus is light. And the light shines and the darkness cannot comprehend it. There's a beautiful scripture where Jesus says to Peter, he asks him, who am I? Um, Or who do the people say I am? And then Peter answers him and then Jesus asks him, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus says, yes, on this rock, this revelation of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Friends, when you become part of Christ, when you abide in Him and He adds you into His body, we are a conquering body because our head is Jesus Christ. And darkness cannot comprehend Him. Darkness cannot overcome Him. When you align yourself with light, darkness cannot overcome you. Can I hear an amen just somewhere? Maybe you are in a dark space now. In the beginning, the earth was formless and empty and void and dark. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was this massive battle between good and evil and light and darkness. And just by the mercies of God, light won. No, (laughs) darkness cannot overcome it. It cannot comprehend it. When God said, let there be light, there was light. When the Word of God starts to speak into your life, there will be light. Where the Word of God starts to speak into your darkness, there will be light. When the Word of God starts to speak into your depression or your hopelessness, there will be light. Because the darkness cannot overcome it. The third one is the Word is truth. My my Bible is not here, but who has a Bible Bible close? Like a Bible Bible, a book Bible. Okay, run, run, Jamie, like it's a marathon. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is truth. This will be one of the most difficult things for you to really make part of your life because there are many other truths that you want to align yourself to. Why? Because they agree with you. Can we all be honest that our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things like the scripture says? Like um, when people tell you just follow your heart, that's stupid. (laughs) It feels right in the moment but it's stupid in the long run because your heart is deceitful and it wants what it wants. 
and it will get what it wants at the cost of other people. So your heart will often align itself to a truth that agrees with what it wants. The Word of God is the truth, and it will not agree with everything that you believe in your heart tonight, and it will not believe with everything that social media portrays. It will not agree with everything that the social norm dictates as right and wrong. The Word of God is above. The Word of God is truth. And when we disalign or we, we deviate from the truth of Scripture, then we are no longer in the truth and you are in error. Some of you know what the word deceived means. It means that you believe something to be right when it is not. That is the ultimate state of being disappointed. When you give yourself to a truth, that when you get to the end of your life, you discover this was no truth at all, and no truth at all has no ability to save you the day when you die. That is the ultimate disappointment, friends. When you've aligned yourself to something that has agreed with you short-term, but it has cost you long-term, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he forfeits his soul? The Word of God is the truth, and the Word of God will not agree with everything in your life. And then finally, the Word became flesh. The Word of God became flesh, and this is good news. Someone just say hallelujah. All right, that's good. So what did this entail? Whom of you um, have had some disappointing, suffering moments in the last two years? You've gone through some stuff that wasn't that lacquer, right? Jesus entered a, word, a world that wasn't that lacquer. He left a world that was perfect, the kingdom of God. He left a position that was perfect, where there was no suffering, no sin, no disappointment, no people ridiculing him, no people shaming him, no people putting him on a cross. But he entered this broken world. He didn't look at the brokenness in the world from a distance and say, sure, I hope you make it. No, he stepped into the very brokenness that you and I face ourselves. And he, um, what's the word? He made himself subject to the things of this world. The scripture says that Jesus is not, um, he's, he can compare, he can relate to everything that you've gone through. He's not, he can have compassion with everything that you've gone through because he himself has gone through it all himself because he has made himself subject to the things of this world. The creator, remember Genesis 1, John 1, the word is life through the word, everything is created. The creator made himself a baby. He made himself subject to the nursing of a mother, of a person, a human being. The Creator made himself subject to the ridiculing of people, shaming him, calling him names, ridiculing him, beating him, ultimately um, sacrificing him or crucifying him on the cross. Why? Why did the Creator of the universe made himself subject to all of this brokenness that you and I also live in? Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 2 says, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. So previously, God spoke to people through prophets. Come on. So long ago, God spoke to the people through the prophets. In these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. So God made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139. God designed you. He formed you. He thought about you. You're an, you are not an accident. No life is an accident because all life comes from 
God. If life exists, if you are alive tonight and you're not a figment of your own imagination, then you are a product of God's design. You are a product of God's desire, and He desires to be with you. But there's a brokenness in our hearts that separates us from a perfect, holy God. But because God's desire is after you, He has made Himself known. That is good news. It's not you seeking God out. Your salvation story isn't one where you stumbled into church and like, yeah, I was just looking for God and lo and behold, I found Him. No, God found you. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. He came to seek and to save us out. God made Himself known to us. Later on in John 20 verse 31 it says, But these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Why is the gospel there? So that we can believe and so that we can have eternal life. You see, God left His perfect position and He came down to our level. He made Himself subject to the world, to the brokenness in this world, so that He can be with us, so that He can save us, so that He can redeem us. If we go back to John 1, it says, He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Let that sink in. When you believe in Jesus, you have the right to become a child of God. Who if you think being a child of God is a privilege? All right? The Scripture disagrees. <laughs> My mind doesn't understand it. Yes, it's a privilege, but it's more. Because of the legal price that Jesus paid when He gave His life on the cross, what you have when you believe in Him is a lawful position to be a child of God. You lay claim to something that is legally yours because of something that someone else did, not by your own merit, not by your own good works, not by your own good intentions, not by your own feelings are you aligned with Christ. You can be aligned with Him because of what He has already done. And then the truth that is spoken over you is that you rightfully belong to God. The enemy now tries to attack you and he tries to pull you into certain schemes and he lies to you, but he is acting in an unrightful way, in an unlawful way, because rightfully you have been bought with a great price and you belong to Christ. So why did the Word become flesh? So that we can know God and so that we can become children of God. Rice Brooks, who is um, one of our evangelists globally, has, he came up with this gospel creed. All right, and um, I'll read it and you can memorize it. It's a really cool gospel creed. But a, a gospel creed is like an icon on your, on your computer. All right, when there's an icon for Photoshop, that's not Photoshop. You have to double click and then the program opens. All right, so take a picture and you can meditate on, on this. But it says, The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we were supposed to live and died the death we were supposed to die in our place. Three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sin to all who would repent and believe the gospel. Friends, that is good news. It's good news that God became man, not you trying to work your way up to God and never ever getting it right. God became man. The four promises. Who can remember? 
when we abide. I hope it's not on the board. Was it there? <laughs> okay, who can remember the first one? You will bear much fruit. That's the only one you saw, Dylan. <laughs> Your life will bear much fruit. Your prayers will be effective. Your life will glorify God. And your joy will be complete. I'm just checking. <laughs> All right, now it's fine. <laughs> your joy will be complete. Church, this is the invitation. As we're heading into a new year, um, and there's many stuff that, that's already maybe consuming your heart and your mind, but this is the invitation from God. And the part of that scripture says that God made himself known, but people also rejected him. Remember that there were people who put Jesus on the cross. So in this invitation to abide in him, to make this life part of your life, it's an invitation and you can choose to either receive him or reject him. John 3 verse 16 to 19, it's not on the board, says, For God so loved the world, we all know this, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is also a lucky one. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And like, why does the church always condemn me? Jesus didn't come to condemn me. And we quote verse 17, but we forget there's a verse 18, and it says, He who believes in Him is not condemned. Hallelujah. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He's saying, um, Jesus is saying there in John 3 that your natural state apart from his, Him is condemned because you are guilty because of sin. That's your natural state. And that would have been your eternal state but God. But God so loved. Verse 19 says, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness more than light, because their deeds were evil. I'm going to ask whoever's playing piano, Monkey. Um, so friends, this is the invitation that, that God is inviting you to abide with Him so that your life will bear fruit, so that your prayers will be effective, so that your life will glorify God. What's the fourth one? <laughs> your joy will be full, praise the Lord. He's inviting you to be part of Him so that His life will be your life. His truth will be your truth. His joy will be your joy. He's inviting us to partake of Him. It is an invitation. And He has made all things possible for you to be part of Him. The Word became flesh. Christ came near. God became human so that we can know Him, so that we can become children of God. I want us to close our eyes and we're going to have a moment of prayer and then we're going to have a communion moment. And before we partake of communion, when we think about communion, Jesus says, this is my body and it was broken for your sake and this is my blood that was shed so that we can be cleansed and be made pure. And He invites us to partake of communion together as often as we can. So you don't have to wait to come to church to have communion, friends. You can have it in your home. If you join us on Wednesday mornings for prayer, 6 o'clock, we have communion every Wednesday morning together. But communion is for believers because when we partake of His body, we are identifying with His death.
We're saying, Jesus, just as you died for me, I'm laying my life down and I'm declaring that it belongs to you. When we partake of his blood, we're saying, Jesus, I receive your cleansing. I receive your sanctification. You've made me pure. But now I live as one who has been made pure. So we partake of communion as an indication that we belong to Jesus. And if you're here tonight, and you've maybe heard the story of Jesus before, you've maybe even been in church a long time, but you're not sure that you're born again. The goal of Christianity is not for you to be able to quote a lot of Bible verses. The goal of Christianity is not for you to have a lot of nice social media statuses. The goal is for you to become a child of God. And whoever received Him and believed in His name, He, God, gave the right to become children of God. And when you step into something that Jesus has done, it is permanent and it cannot be taken away from you. You never have to doubt again because He has given you the right to become a child of God. And I want to ask if you're here tonight and you're not sure, or maybe you want to respond for the very first time to say, I want to be a child of God. I want to respond to who Jesus is and what He has done. I want to believe in Him and receive Him tonight. I want you to raise your hand. a short moment more. If you're sitting here tonight and you're not sure that you're safe, that your soul is secure, you're going to partake of a Christianity that's going to kill you. Because the Christian life is impossible, friends. We need Jesus. And I do feel that some of you need to step away from trusting in yourself. Because sometimes you get it right and you feel good about your Christianity, but sometimes you get it horribly wrong. And Jesus is calling you to step away from yourself and to step into Him. Anyone else? and this is going to be a bit vulnerable but it's okay Um, we're going to respond we're going to get up we're going to go get communion but I want the the two ladies that responded um, just to quickly come here to my left your right to the front Um, I'd love to pray with you and to help you step into a space where you never ever have to doubt again so as we all get up get communion then come back again um, I'd love to just quickly for the two ladies who responded just to come forward.
like I said, when we when we respond to the call to abide, it's not something you can just do on your own. All right, and um, throughout the next couple of weeks, we're going to do stuff together as a church. Um, we we spoke about this last year. Church is meant to be a place of vulnerability. Church is meant to be a place where you can be yourself, where you don't have to pretend. Um, you don't have to be perfect to belong. Um, we get to belong because Jesus became flesh, uh, because the Word of God came to us. That's why we get to belong. Um, so what I want us to do now in, in groups, two, three max, and I know some of you like to be four, but um, not tonight, okay, be three max. If you're four, just split into two. Um, but I want us just to share what is one thing that you are trusting God to come and do in your life in the next six weeks. So we're, we're being a bit intentional about it, all right? Like not vague, like oh, over the next year, over the next 10 years of my life. What are you trusting God to come and do in your life over the next six weeks? And maybe you can use those things that we've spoken about as a guideline. Where is there maybe a lack in your life? Where does your life, where does your life lack life? Like an empty well, you're running dry. Um, a lack of joy, a lack of fruit bearing, or a lack of intimacy and effective prayer. Where is, what are you trusting God to come and do in your life in the next six weeks? And I want you just to share. It's like, this is what I'm trusting God for. And then to pray for one another. Right. Let's do that. some of you are still praying and you can continue. Um, yeah, I just want to end in prayer for us. Yeah, Father, I want to thank you just again that the Word became flesh. That you lived among us, Lord, and you made yourself known so that we can know you and so that we can be born again, so that we can become children of God. And I want to ask, Holy Spirit, that you would start to stir in us the very things that you want to do in and through our lives. Your word promises that there are good things that you've already prepared for us to walk in. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll come and stir our hearts. Even as we think about the prayer and fast week, Lord, that you come and stir our hearts for the very things that you want to come and do in our lives. And we want to honor you, Lord. Apart from you, we are nothing. Apart from you, we can do nothing. There is no life outside of you. There is no light outside of you, only darkness. 